You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 259 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is now Monday morning. I'm joined by Scott Coleman to discuss the Braves going down at the hands of the Los Angeles Dodgers in Game 7. Hello, Scott, and uh, I'm sure you're as excited as I am to do this podcast. Yeah, man. It, it's heartbreaking. It is. We'll, we'll dive in, and we'll do a full look back on the season and the series, but, you know, Game 7, it's, it's what you live for as a sports fan, and there's so many highs and lows that come with it, and it's just a shame that such a, a fun team from the very beginning of the season, uh, and it's been such a great ride in the playoffs the whole way to to lose in a heartbreaker tonight was um, it really sucks. Yeah, and we'll dive into this, but you know, obviously the conflicting feelings of uh, the full season maybe being a success overall, but also. The fact that this game and this series was right there for the taking, uh, we'll discuss Game 7, but here's a, here are a couple top-line things that happened in this game. Uh, there was the now-infamous uh, base-running calamity in the fourth inning that will go down alongside Lonnie Smith, I think, in the annals. Um, after that, the Braves got exactly zero hits uh, and one base runner the rest of the game, which was a walk by Ozzy Albies. Um, in the first inning, they could have scored more. They had, had uh, an ill-timed double play, uh, and the Dodgers just ground out every single plate appearance. It felt like the entire game, including yeah. and sort of encapsulated by both home runs that both tied the game and won the game for the Dodgers, came on the eighth pitch of at bats with two strikes. Um, I mean, what, what do you even say about all that? Mm. We're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it, but those are sort of you know the things that happened in this game, and we will, as you said, do a postmortem later on with some big picture stuff about how we feel about the season, and we'll bring Eric in and all that stuff for that. But um, tonight, I'm gonna focus on what happened tonight, and there were just yeah. there were just so many things that went the wrong way at a bad time. Yeah, I mean, it's as we've talked about, we we know how good this Dodgers lineup is. We saw especially tonight. 
They just don't give away outs. And I think while the Braves at times in this series really put together and grinded out some good at bats and even in game seven early on, they put together some good at bats. They were patient, but man, it sure felt like after the first couple innings after that base running blunder, it really did feel like the Braves' approach kind of went out the window and the Dodgers, as as they always do, just just foul off close pitch after close pitch. And even if they make an out, it seems like every out they make is hard hit at somebody or they make you throw six, seven, eight, nine pitches. And over a nine inning game, eventually that that's something's going to bounce your way. You're going to get a bad a bad pitch in the middle of the plate. You're going to get a, a ball that just finds some, some grass somewhere in the outfield. Um, it's it's really tough. They're, they are a terrific team. And I, I don't want to make excuses for the Braves, but that is. By far and away the best team in baseball. I truly feel that the two best teams in baseball played this past week, and that's the Dodgers and Braves. And it sucks to to have all the opportunities they had tonight to score and, and get more runs than they did early on. But man, uh, the Dodgers are just so tough to get out. It likely does not help anyone's uh, feelings this evening, especially or you know Monday morning as people listen to this potentially. Um, but I totally agree. I mean, the Dodgers. There's a reason why we talked about the Dodgers the way that we did coming into the series. Um, they are really, really good, and we saw that on full display with the way they uh, were sort of just grinding through every single little thing and made the Braves pay when they made mistakes. With that said, the Braves are supposed to win this series up 3-1. Uh, we, I mean, we, we both thought the Dodgers were the better team coming in. I still feel that way now, but when you lead a series 3-1, you have to win it. Um, that's just kind of the name of the game here. Um, you know, coming into tonight, teams leading 2-0 in the league championship series in either the National League or the American League were 29-3. and um, the Braves are now, it's not, it's not, it's not 29 and four. Um, and also this is only the 11th three, one comeback in the history of baseball playoffs. Um, the Braves did one of those themselves, 96 winning, but just, you know, there's a reason why, even if the Dodgers are a better team, as we talked about, they were still huge underdogs at three to one and you, you just have to win one game and, you know, yeah. conflicting feelings all the way around and every little thing can be explained um, but that's that's the overarching thought that I have anyway. Just trying to be rational about it is that you, you have to win the series up three to one. That's just the way it is. And we can we will have time, and we probably will circle back to some more positivity in the coming days with regard to how the season actually played sure. out in the bright future. But you can't lose a series up three one. You just can't do it. No, it's crushing. And they had opportunities in in games five, six, and seven. Right. Not to drive that nail in even deeper, but you sure. think back to all the the opportunities they had to add on more runs. And, um, you know, I, I tweeted out uh, in the first 38 innings of this series, the Braves scored 28 runs. So they were, what's that? Almost, a, I mean, almost a run an inning, right? I mean, 28 runs in 38 innings to begin the series. And they ended up scoring five runs total over the final 25 innings of this series. Maybe that, maybe the Dodgers bullpen and pitching staff should get some credit for that. But man, you, you look back at, the runners in scoring position and, and runners left on base and the, the missed opportunities, which we'll get into here, especially tonight early on. Um, it's a series that's going to sting for a long time, honestly. And I know this year was different, right? It was a 60 game season. I, I think there was skepticism all the way around that the season was ever going to happen, right? With all the, the challenges facing them. And man, I tell you what, by the time tonight's game rolled around, it felt like any other season, any other grind out to, to get to a world series and, uh, it just, uh, it really is deflating to, to fall short after being up 2-0 and 
Yeah, everything you said there is correct. And honestly, I think in the, on, our, on our last two shows, I know we did this specifically last night that I'm remembering clearly now as I'm talking, um, Eric and I talked about the fact that this is going to be an offensive game. You had to win this game with offense in Game 7, and the offense just didn't show up. Um, they should have scored more than they did, for sure. They missed opportunities, but um, even with everything out of the way, the Braves got three hits tonight, man. Like, you can't, you cannot get three hits. I know, I know there's, I know it's a homer, it's a homer-driven league now, but you can't get three hits in a uh, in a game seven. I know the Dodgers have great pitching, but it's just uh, this wasn't even there. I mean, Urias is really good despite the uh, off field stuff with him. Um, yeah. But you know, it wasn't like Dustin May was good. It wasn't like Tony Gonsolin was good. And the guys in the middle, you know, Trinan is a good pitcher, but he's not incredible. Gratterall's hittable. They just didn't get the offense. Just didn't have it tonight. And the, you know, again, second straight game, the run prevention wasn't like uber elite. But they got they did they did more than enough pitching wise. I mean, you give up four runs. Yes, it was ten hits, but honestly, the Braves navigated you know mess after mess yeah. pitching in this game. And honestly, we're we're fortunate to only allow four runs. But the results, as they were, you give up four runs. And if you told me coming into tonight that they gave up four runs, you probably have to take it. I mean, yeah. that's just kind of the reality of the situation against this Dodgers offense. You can't expect them to just hold them down all the time and yeah four runs could it could have been better for sure with the pitching staff particularly uh you know a couple of the things that Anderson did uh Martin and the you know, mentor those guys were not great tonight but four runs in nine innings well, I guess it was only eight innings um, that they had to actually hit in this game but I think you kind of have to take that and realize this is honestly an offensive series loss which is crazy for what was either the best or second best offense in the league this year but if you take a step back and look at the series and assign blame I think it's probably to the offense yeah no it was I mean you look back in the first inning, Ozuna has the single right after the two walks. There's one of your hits. And then Dansby Swanson leads off the second with a hit or with a homer. There's your second hit. So two-thirds of your hits were within the first six batters of the games for the Braves. Um, and you're, you're right. I mean, the bats went to sleep. It's a, it's a lineup that's been so good all year long. We've seen them erupt for crooked numbers throughout this, this series and throughout the entire playoffs, really, and just – for whatever reason, I mean, it's baseball. It's a cruel game. They had a couple of well-hit balls tonight that just uh, were right at somebody or were just short of the wall. But, man, um, the, the bats disappeared over these last three games after being so good in the first four, or I guess three of the first four if you exclude game three. Um, they, they really just they went quiet. And, again, maybe it's maybe we're not giving enough credit to the Dodgers pitching because it's, it's certainly a good pitching staff on their side. But, man, um, it really was a letdown effort for a lineup that's been so good all year long. Yeah, and the way the way to blow a three one lead, and that's what happened in the series. They blew a three one lead. Um, all the NBA jokes that are been happening for years now um, is to score seven runs combined in the last three games. That that's how you lose. Um, so there you go. Okay, let's let's talk about the specific stuff real fast uh, on this presumably game recap podcast that we're doing. In the first inning, it was all uh, it was pretty positive. Dustin May did not look good at all. He opens with uh, a walk on four pitches to Acuna. Acuna is still second base. Um, he then walks Freddy on four pitches, and then Ozuna breaks it open immediately with a 108-mile-an-hour single. It's one nothing in three batters with no outs, um, and things are going quite well. Um, this is one of the things that I, I mentioned at the top, but to only get one there was a point that I circled and we wrote down, and you know, knowing that if it went badly, I'd come back to this, but... A really, really ill-timed double play by Travis Darno. You don't want to put too much on him. Um, he was not good in this game at really anything. Uh, defensively, it was kind of a mess for him as well. He's probably gassed after playing seven days in a row. Um, but 
that was not the number one plate appearance that was a problem in this game, but that was one that I certainly wanted to circle because yeah. at you know at first and sec at first and second um, already having a run in with no outs, you need to sort of pour it on a little bit there, and just that double play followed by a strikeout by Ozzy was uh, not the best thing. Even though you're winning, and that's obviously a positive in a vacuum, to only be up one nothing there was notable. Yeah, I mean within within ten pitches of the game, you had two guys on and a runner in, and to Dustin May did not have his command. Nope. And I know that Darno in hindsight, they probably should have given, I know game three Darno only caught like three innings in the blowout, but in hindsight, as we talked about before, they probably should have given Tyler flowers a start and had Darno DH to give him a little bit of a breather. He was gassed. He was so good in the earlier rounds of the playoffs, single-handedly carrying the offense at times. But yeah, that, that first inning to only get one run there felt like it was going to hurt. And ultimately it did. Yeah, uh, from there, Dansby hits the leadoff home run in the second to take a 2 nothing lead. Nothing else really there. Um, it did feel like Riley barely missed a back-to-back homers. Um, it wasn't as close as it looked off the bat. I thought that ball was gone off the bat um, to go up 3 nothing, but it, it didn't happen. From there, nothing else really uh, going there. And honestly, Anderson pitched uh, through some issues in the first two innings, including a, just a nails changeup at the end of the second um, to strike out Taylor on a three and two count. That was a huge pitch. It felt like it was going to be a huge pitch moving forward. It'll be forgotten now, obviously since they lost this game, but that was a big one. Uh, and then to the third inning, um, Ian finally got dinged up a little bit. And honestly, with the way he was pitching, it was not a surprise. He did not have his, his best arsenal in this game, but unfortunately, um, and this is a theme I know, I know you tweeted about this as well. It was the two outs there from the Dodgers, and you know credit to them for grinding, but he gets two straight outs to open the third inning, then walks Turner, and that's a spot where you just you can't afford yeah. to put someone on base. A double by Muncie, and then Will Smith, who's really good, uh, two-run single, and it was the first runs allowed by Anderson in the entire playoffs, and it felt like you know it could have been worse in the grand scheme of yeah. things, but the two-out walk is another, is another spot where you just have to uh, go back and recognize that was a big one. Yeah, Anderson was not sharp tonight, and it was an impossible situation for him to be in, right? Oh, yeah. This lineup is, and especially seeing the Dodgers lineup is good enough, let alone when they get to see you twice in a span of five days. Um, you know, he, he was able to navigate three innings with the two runs, but they were smoking line drives all over the place. Uh, funny enough, the Will Smith ball that, that got through the infield, if if the Braves weren't shifted there, it's an easy ground out to second base. So. Yeah. Um, it was and, not and people a, are mad, by the way, about like I saw some like why are they shifting? Well, you know they're always. It's not like yeah. the the shift stuff is a whole other animal. But please do not blame the shift for that. Like that's just what happens, man. Like you you're playing the guys there. They're shifting for a reason. Uh, it was unlucky and also hit very hard. So it wasn't. It was kind of a combination of things. But if you're one of the people that is like mad at the shift there, like you got to realize that's not. You know sometimes it doesn't work but I have no issue at all shifting. Uh, and that was kind of the only time in the whole series I can think of where a shift really bit them. So uh, I'm, I'm okay with the shift. Don't worry. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things you don't remember them when they hit it right into the shift, but whenever it goes against it, of course, naturally you, you remember it and uh, it sticks out in your mind. But again, it was, you know, Anderson was, was not as sharp as he's been early in the playoffs, but um, yeah, that sec- the two out rally there really did hurt. He had two strikes on Justin Turner walks him max muncie who who was a pain the entire series doubles as you said and then and then the single from smith um you know i guess 
being tied 2-2 after three innings is not the worst outcome by any means. I think both teams, looking back, had a million opportunities to do more in this game that they, they didn't take advantage of, especially the Braves early on and the Dodgers in the middle innings. But, um, yeah, it's a shame that that two-out uh, two out rally came back to bite the Braves. Right, and I'm glad you said that because both sides could have probably had the same thought about the first two innings with the way that Anderson was looking shaky and the Dodgers did you know, tie it up there. Of course, the Braves, as we said, should have scored another one at least probably in the first, but 2-2 still uh, still even. And then, you know, seconds later, the Braves take the lead again in the fourth with a leadoff walk by Ozzy. He's still second base. Dansby then walks on what was probably a strike, honestly. That was a pretty f- a fortunate call that went the Braves' way. There were a few of those that did not go the Braves' way in this game. Um, and then a great swing, quite honestly, by Austin Riley, who uh, had issues in this game. But that was a great swing by him. Uh, an RBI single to take a 3-2 lead. Everybody's feeling good again. Uh, Gonsolin was not good. He got pulled. And uh, they bring in Trina for the third day in a row. And then he immediately uncorks a wild pitch. So it's second and third. No outs. And, you know, I'll say this. I, I know I tweeted it in the moment. The biggest fear that I had in that spot, first and second, no outs, was Marquez sitting on a double play because he's a pretty prime double play machine, given the fact that he's really slow and, uh, you know, the pitcher that was on the mound, all that stuff. So when you get out of that, everybody kind of exhales because, you know, even if he strikes out there, there's only so much, you know, you wish you had, you, at least you have two chances to get another run across. You're feeling great, second and third, up a run. And then, honestly, I mean, the play of the game, pretty clearly, I think, uh, maybe you disagree, but I think this is certainly the number one thing that happened in this game that, oh, yeah. that I will remember. I'm, I'm sure Dodgers fans won't have the same takeaway, but if you're a Braves fan, this has to be the play of the night still. I know they were winning, but uh, we all, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, you know what happened. But Marquez grounds to third. He hit it hard, but right at, right at third baseman. Dansby Swanson, who's usually a great base runner, inexplicably, I think, breaks for the plate. Um, having just no chance at all to score there. Like, it was not going to be close if he kept going. Um, he stops, gets caught in a rundown, uh, does his best to allow uh, sort of the textbook play there. Once you're caught, and that was problem number one, is getting caught, but you do, you got to do your best to, to at least allow Riley and Marcakis to move up. And Riley did a really bad job. He tried to get to third, and he stalled halfway through, not really sure what he was trying to accomplish. Dansby gets barely tagged out. Riley does the worst thing you can do is get and gets thrown out at third base. And uh, by the way, all in the same time, this has been forgotten, but Marquez should have got to second too. He somehow ends up on first, which is it didn't matter, but man, that was bad as yeah. well. Um, Snicker, I think, probably should have challenged at third. I think he might have lost it or probably would have lost it, but Riley had there was sort of a weird tag on Riley's slide. But regardless, man, like everybody saw it. I'm, I'm just trying to lay it out for everybody to realize what happened again, but it's just a comedy of errors. I mean, that's the only way to describe it. Every single thing that could have gone wrong right there went wrong. Every single aspect from a great base runner making a bonehead play to Riley, who's not great, doing a really, really bad job. I'm not even sure what else, what else to say. Like that, that's yeah. a moment that I'll never, I'll never forget. I mean, it's that's yeah. it feels bad, but if you're old enough to remember Lonnie Smith in 91, and I'm not really, but kind of, this is the new generation's Lonnie Smith quite frankly, like it, yeah. this is one that I think if you are a diehard Braves fan, you just won't be able to unsee. Well, and looking back on it, the only situation there that doesn't get a run in is a ground ball right at third baseman, right? Because the Dodgers were conceding they the play back after, yep. after the wild pitch. So even a, even one of how many times have we seen Marquez just ground over, you know, roll one over to the right side and it's a run, and it's, it advances a runner to third. All of a sudden, 
It's a four to two game with another runner on third base and one out with Pache and Acuna coming up. Man, it's it's uh, two buddies texted me after that, and my I mean, my my reaction. I think a lot of people's reaction was it felt like the Braves lost the game on that play, and that it's not like it happened in the ninth inning where it truly ended the game right then and there. But knowing what came after that, it really did feel like that was the effective end of of the Braves' hopes this season because man it is the absolute worst case cannot happen scenario there and and one that will sting for a long time yeah a good friend of the program Grant McCauley said the same thing you just did before it happened he I mean kind of tongue-in-cheek but said you know this would be a great time for Marquecas to roll one over to second base and you score a run and I mean it's 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 accurate and I'm not by the way I do not blame Marquecas in that moment I mean it's it's unfortunate he hit, sure, the, he, sure. hit the, he hit the ball pretty hard there, but just just to be very clear, um, he was extremely low on the uh, blame list on that play for hitting the ball to third base. Like, yeah, it would have been great if it went it somewhere else, but honestly, you know, if Dansby just gets back to third, you still have second and third and one out, and you're still supposed to score at least one run in that situation. So, yeah, it would have been great if he did something else, but I, I don't blame Nick no. there. I mean, if, if, I know if you're not Freddie, either, but yeah, it's just if Freddie hits that ball instead of Nick, it's it's no different. I mean, regardless no. of who was up there anything <laughs> and he hit it hard honestly like that was pretty good contact it just went to the one place it couldn't go yep. and even then with all that said it still shouldn't have happened as bad as it happened from there and yep. i'm not trying to pick on dansby who was honestly great for the last few games he was probably one of the best players on the, on the team the last few games he hit the home run earlier in the game but i just couldn't believe that he did that frankly if that had been somebody else i would have been a little bit less surprised but he's a, he's a great base runner and that you just can't make that play and then Riley does a, a young player stupid thing um yeah and it's it's unfortunate it really is I, I'm not even sure what else to say about it it's just again everything every single thing there went wrong and they still had a chance to do something I suppose but again Marquez Marquez gets stuck at sec uh at first oh last thing did did you care about the non-challenge people were really mad about this I I would have challenged and said so I also think they I also think they were probably going to lose based on every every replay that I saw they probably lose the challenge yeah. but I I do think that you probably just need to do it there just to do it yeah in the moment I I didn't see a, a replay that showed that he was safe it was like a little bit of an odd slide and an odd tag but um I I didn't see anything urgently but honestly I was so distraught honestly <laughs> at the at the yeah. outcome I wasn't like yeah, you know, wasn't a play at the plate where it was very obvious, yes or no. It was just kind of, uh, yeah, man, what a shame. Yeah, I got we got questions, so I wanted to make sure I asked you that. But I, I agree, it's I, I I would have challenged. I think that's just a thing you do there because you it's not like you only get one. If you lose that one, you still have another one later. But um, yeah, that was again low, low on the priority list. A brutal play, and um, people there was an argument going on in my mentions for I'm not kidding the rest of the game. So two plus hours consecutively, just back and forth with these three people arguing about that play and whose fault was, who was who it, who was at more fault, which I, I don't care about. I don't, I don't want to litigate like Riley versus uh, Swanson who had the bigger error there. I don't care they both messed up and it did not go the way that it needed to go. Uh, still they're up three, two. I agree with you that it did feel that way, that that, that, that was going to be a play that we wanted to talk about and not wanted to talk about at the same time. Um, yeah. Yeah. In the fifth, the Braves are still winning, and uh, Mookie Betts makes Mookie Betts play. Uh, Freddie hits one that isn't gone everywhere, but certainly is gone in some ballparks, um, is a double in other ballparks, and if you have a human being playing right field, it's probably a double at least. 
Um, might have been gone. I couldn't really tell if it would have hit the top of the wall or gone, or gone over the wall. But regardless, Mookie Betts makes another preposterous play in right field. He's really good. There's a reason why he's a top five player in baseball, and he made every play possible in the series. But that, that's another one. Like, I don't have a takeaway for you. It's just kind of unlucky. Um, Freddie mm-hmm. probably deserved to have an extra base hit, if not a home run there. And um, again, they're still winning. So it's like, all right, well, it would have been nice to go up 4 2, but that's another one where they needed it badly because, as we said, they got no more hits in this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My only takeaway is just how in God's name did the Red Sox give Mookie bets to the Dodgers? I mean, yeah, yeah, that's all I'll say. Yeah, we can, we don't, we don't have to litigate that, but uh, that it would have been nice if he was, if he was on the, if he was on the Red Sox this entire series <laughs> or literally anyone, else. literally anywhere else uh, would have been, would have been great. Um, we can talk about both. It doesn't matter. Uh, on to the sixth where, the Braves lose the lead. Uh, here's a question for you. This is one that I, I've written down, and uh, people will know that we've said this before, but I, I, I keep the running tally going in the in the outline as the game goes so that we're not revisionist. I try, I try very hard to put down what I think in the moment so that I'm not tr- tempted to ch- change my mind. Um, they bring in Minter to open the sixth. Shane Green pitched the fifth and looked really good, honestly. He had a... Uh, a walk to Bellinger that should have been a strikeout because there was a probably the worst missed strike call you'll ever see in your life to Bellinger to, to Bellinger a legitimate middle middle fastball that was called a ball and I don't know how that happened um, but anyway Green threw 14 pitches looked really good in the fifth and they go to Minter who obviously pitched heroically two nights ago but threw 42 pitches career high and um, whether they knew this or not going in he was he was not sharp Minter did not have his stuff today so before i'll ask you what you thought before mentor came in and uh also just your reaction to how he looked because i think everyone agrees he was not his best self he was not sharp in the least and i don't know how sharp you could realistically expect him to be after after throwing the three innings in game five but um you know as soon as anderson left the game and only gave three innings tonight and you had to cover six innings with the bullpen that I mean, it's it's honestly ridiculous that MLB didn't give any days off in a seven game series. I mean, and, we said we said that too. This is this is not revisionism or like sore yeah. loser stuff. Like we said this at, um, in the preview, we said it was going to impact everything, and yes, it impacts both sides. But sure, uh, it, it was it was very. I mean, Darno, same thing. Darno looked awful at the end of the series, and he was probably just gassed. He played seven days in a row, and they yeah. don't do that. So yeah, I'm, it's it's so stupid. It it did impact the Dodgers too, but that drove me crazy from the moment it happened. Yeah, I mean, it's – and Minter, again, he did not look sharp. He he threw some – really, he threw seven good pitches to Kike Hernandez until he left one right down the middle of the plate, and, and Hernandez does one thing well, and that's hit lefties, and he did not miss the pitch. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I've poked fun at Dave Roberts, but that was uh, – the it was, it was a very obvious pinch hitting choice, but he made the right one. Um, the minute you bring in Minter – and that's kind of one of the issues that I had, honestly – with the decision to go to Minter, and I don't think it was completely egregious. I don't think it was like indefensible. I I would have preferred to go to Green or leave, leave Green in. And one of the reasons why is that you know any any human manager you expect is going to pinch hit for Peterson against Minter there. And Hernandez is a very logical candidate to do that because um, Pe- Peterson is a guy who they've platooned basically the entire yeah. way. And after him. It's Taylor and then it's Betts, who are both right-handed. And I know that's not like everything. And Mitch was capable of getting out right-handers too, but it was just kind of a weird thing to look ahead and see that. But yeah, Hernandez, 
you can't predict that. He mashes one. Uh, Taylor then doubles, and honestly, it felt like it could have been off the rails there um, for Minter. Um, he got, but he gets he gets a flyout from Betts. He stayed in to face Seeger with the lefty on lefty, and he gets him to uh, ground out to Ozzy, who makes a nice play to throw home, and great execution by Darno to save the tie game in that spot because it could have been four three. I've almost forgot about that play, yeah. but it was that was a big execution and a good pitch by Mentor to get out of it, and they go to they go to Martin to get out of the inning, but it's still three three. You know, there were still opportunities from there, but uh, we look ahead now uh, to the seventh. They hit. Camargo for Marquecas. He hit the ball hard, but it was caught, and then nothing else doing, um, continuing to have the silent offense. And then uh, what ended up being the game winner happens. They leave in Chris Martin um, to face Max Muncy and Will Smith, who, who, who he strikes out both of them. So again, again, two outs, nobody on, and another eight pitch at bat, the same exact situation as it was with Hernandez. Um, yeah. Eight pitches, and Bellinger just tomahawks one. I mean, Martin looked good. Before that, he made one mistake, and uh, you just can't make mistakes against the Dodgers team. They're too good. And uh, by the way, it was the first home run allowed by Chris Martin since opening day. Hmm. Of course it was. Exactly. Naturally. Here's one thing I wanted to make sure we mentioned because this is sort of of our brand. I'm confused by this. They had Will Smith warming up, and I know I can hear people responding like, why would you ever use Will Smith after the last couple games? But... Will Smith was warm in the bullpen that entire inning, and I don't know. Here's my thing: I don't know why Will Smith is in the bullpen warming up if he's not going to come in and pitch to Cody Bellinger. Yeah, that's kind of my thing. I mean, you, you can litigate whether you were more comfortable with Martin or Smith. That's a decision that I don't have a strong feeling on because of how shaky Smith has looked and how good Martin looked until that pitch. But I don't understand why Smith is up if he's not going to come in and face Bellinger because that's the entire reason Smith would be up. Yeah, I, in the moment, I wasn't, you know, yelling at, at the TV, calling for Will Smith, especially yeah, as, as and I you get know, that. he has not been good in the least. Um, yeah, I, I mean, in hindsight, sure. But again, it was looking back at eight pitch at bat to Bellinger. Everything was away, 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 away. And he was just fouling it off. And then and then Martin, who has been so good in his year and a half with the Braves. Yep. Uh, just put one middle middle and Bellinger's not going to miss that most of the time. Yeah. He just missed. I mean, I'm with you. I don't, I'm not trying to make it a big thing or say that Snicker messed up or anything like that. I just, I wanted to note it because it just didn't track in my brain. Like if you're going to go with Martin, go with Martin. And if you're going to have an insurance guy up to bail Martin now, it doesn't need to be Smith who like, again, you're bringing, I presume you're bringing him in as a lefty guy there to face Bellinger, who has a platoon split. So, kind of a weird one. Uh, by the way, Bellinger got hurt celebrating the home run, which, that happened. Uh, it didn't matter, because the game was over from there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the rest, of the, the rest of the way, you had Freeman genuinely smoke a ball to left center in the eighth. But L.A., of course, in typical Dodgers fashion, had him played perfectly. Um, and, and Bellinger makes the play relatively easily, despite a um, just a mashed ball by Freeman. By the way, he was kind of limping when he came out. I hope he's not injured, although they have the offseason now, but he didn't look great coming off the field there. Um, Melanson comes in, does his job, holds them holds them down in the eighth to give them another chance in the ninth. And honestly, I tweeted this and I stand by it. I, I, I think if you're a Braves fan, you're happy that Urias stayed in the game to the, in the ninth. It obviously didn't yeah. matter, but I genuinely believe that, especially with Ozzy leading off the way that he hits lefties and then Dan's being rallied behind him. 
Uh, credit to Urias, who it's hard to credit considering he has a domestic violence arrest. Um, but he's really good at baseball. So he came in and just mowed him down. Frankly, there wasn't anything. There was no real drama, honestly, in the ninth, which is unfortunate. There was really only one hit, one ball, I guess two. There were two balls hit pretty hard against Urias in the last three innings. It was it was Camargo, and then it was Freeman. Um, but there really wasn't a threat. I mean, it would have been. I don't know if it's better or worse that there just wasn't anything to get you excited to, to get you excited in the eighth or the ninth. But there really there really wasn't. No, no. I mean, they went quiet. You hope, yeah, a little bit of hope. Ozzy, as you said, he's been on fire right-handed, and he went up two zero and probably chased ball three. It was at the top of the zone, which was inconsistently called all night, but. Who knows if it would have been called a strike or not and what that does to the at-bat. But, man, um, they went quietly. I mean, I, I know I was sitting on my couch rocking back and forth hoping that even if it was just a little bloop single somewhere to get a rally going and get, you know, get make Dave Roberts make a decision on uh, Kenley Jansen was warming up in the bullpen but obviously never came in. And uh, and then the pitch that Riley popped up was, was a pretty fa- fastball right down the middle of the plate and he just missed it. Um, but it, it was a shame again. I mean, one base runner since the debacle in the fourth inning, and it was an Ozzy Albee's walk, I believe, in what the sixth. Um, yeah, something like that. To have three straight one, two, three innings to close out the game really, really hurts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Urias was. I was confused, honestly, about the way the Dodgers approached their pitching staff in this game, um, because I think the general consensus from you know unbiased people that cover the league uh, broadly was that Urias was the best option that the Dodgers had in this game overall. Um, and they, it worked out because they ended up taking the lead, but not using your best guy who can clearly go out and throw three plus innings for you and not using until the seventh was a, a typical bad Dave Roberts decision. Like it worked out, but there, there's definitely a world in which the Dodgers trailed the entire game and they don't use Urias when they when they needed to use him. Um, so that all worked in the Braves' favor. It just uh, didn't matter by then because <laughs> of the way that the uh, bats went for the Dodgers. And again, you know, the offense is the culprit. We've said that numerous times on this podcast. But as we go through it, you know, in detail, it's even more stark in my opinion that the offense was the culprit tonight. So, yeah. Um, I don't know, Scott. Uh, we will definitely have uh, a, probably a, a more broader, a more broad um, league championship series and season redux in the coming days. I don't know when that's going to be. It'll be pretty soon. Um, but if you have any uh, any final thoughts, please share them. We've said yeah. a lot on this podcast, and uh, no one's at least I'm not saying that this was like some sort of grand failure. But uh, thoughts? I don't know. It hurts. I mean, what what a ride the last three weeks have been from. The Red Series, where that first game nearly killed us all, with the the zero zero to thirteen, and then the late inning uh, outburst in Game Two to advance, and then the Marlins series, which was fairly smooth sailing with the exception, and then of course uh, just a couple of really fun games to go up two zero, and then three one was was such a ride, and um, it stinks. I mean, this is going to sting for a long time, all right? And, and like all losses in the playoffs, they have varying levels of hurt. And being so close to the World Series three nights in a row is something that, as a fan, as a writer, as a podcaster, whatever you are, uh, it's hard to overcome. But ultimately, this year, I think, and, and we'll talk about this season as a whole, but if you would have told me two months ago, the night that Mike Soroka blew out his Achilles, and and knowing that they were not going to get anything from 
really 80% of the guys they had penciled in for their starting rotation back in April. Um, I, I never would have thought they would have gotten to this point, and it's not making excuses. I'm not trying to um, cover up what, what was a really sad and disappointing finish to the year, but, man, uh, they were close. And, and the good news is, if, if you're looking ahead, that this team is set up really, really well for the future. They need to make some moves this offseason, and, and they will. I, I hope that they continue to add to what is a really good core team of, of, of players and talent um, but man, it, it's going to hurt for a while and, uh, we'll be here. Thanks to everybody for listening on these last couple weeks. Uh, we'll continue to be here during the off season and hopefully we have a lot of good stuff to talk about. Yeah. We never quite fade away. It might take a week or two off at times, but, uh, we'll generally be here on the podcast. I would echo all the, all the things that you just said. I, I saw your tweet storm, uh, before the game. Um, and it's, it's really a great point just to bring up. Um, and try to end things on a little bit more of a positive note is that the the team um, with the with the pitching that that they did not get this season um, you could certainly argue that they overachieved and that's that's a conversation for later on um, more so than tonight but um, yeah go back to the top of this podcast it, it was it's all conflicting uh, none of it's great um, but there's that that side of you that's pulling um, in your brain about how this team uh, was a lot of fun this year and they did win two playoff series in a way they hadn't in a long, long time. And then there's the other side that tells you that when you're up 2-0 and 3-1 in a series, even as even as a team that's better than you on paper, you're supposed to win that series. So there's no right way to feel, I don't think. I think um, it's certainly uh, more than understandable to be down. Uh, I think everybody is to some degree, but uh, you know, we'll come back and try to give some more context Later on, I don't know if it's going to be this week or when. It'll be pretty soon. We'll uh, do sort of a, uh, broad, a broad picture, and then we'll dive in. If you're a new listener, uh, we really appreciate you joining us um, during this run. Um, we do not go away. Just as I said before, we'll be here generally like once a week, maybe uh, once every two weeks at the longest throughout the offseason and try to generate content and uh, being around. It won't be daily. This is not a daily podcast usually until the playoffs arrive, but thanks uh, very, very much for joining us. I know I want to shout out Eric and Scott as well for uh, agreeing to do all of these. Uh, it's been really a grind the last few weeks, um, and as we record this, it's 1 a.m. on a Monday morning. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks to you, Scott. Thanks to Eric. Thanks to everyone that's joined us on the podcast this year, and uh, we'll do it again very, very soon. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and uh, if you've not heard this podcast, I won't blame you. But it's, uh, if, you, if you got this far, thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.